Welcome to Suburban Warrior, the podcast that will impact, inspire, and empower you to transform your mindset and become the badass warrior that you are. I'm your host and fellow warrior, Chrissy Pfeiffer, former clinician and corporate marketing exec turned multi-passionate entrepreneur, performance and life coach, and mom to four not-so-little warriors. Each week, I will bring you honest conversations with inspiring guests to share their stories of resilience, optimism, success, and simple yet effective strategies so that you transform your thoughts and change your behavior to get the results you want in your life. You will be empowered to take action, warrior up, and believe in you. Let's do this. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to this week's episode of Suburban Warrior Podcast. Our guest this week is a true survivor, and in my opinion, the epitome of the Suburban Warrior brand. She's a survivor and warrior for many reasons. One, because she survived being my ride or die for the last 24 years. (laughs) Uh, We met the very first day of college, uh, freshman year. And after college, like many others, she headed to New York City and worked for Morgan Stanley in one of the most iconic buildings in the world, the World Trade Center. Little did she know that just a few years into her career, she would survive something more horrific than any of us could imagine, the 9-11 attacks. Fast forward 20 years, and she once again had to face another attack. This one was with a breast cancer diagnosis. I am beyond thrilled that my bestest BFF in the world is here today to share her story with us. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for that amazing (laughs) intro. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, I could have probably gone on and on and on about what a (laughs) warrior and survivor you are. And I truly do mean it, you know, having literally been by your side for the last 24 years, um, you seeing me through many things, me seeing you through things, but, you know, I mean, seeing how you truly survived you know, not only the 9-11 attacks, but just recently your breast cancer diagnosis. It has been, you know, I'm in all of you, all of you every day. I just look at you and think, my gosh, she is truly Wonder Woman. She is my superhero and I just love you so much. So I'm so excited. Aww. I'm so excited that you're, I'm Aww. crying. Oh my God, I'm tearing up already. Yeah, can, can, honestly, honestly, it's it's too much. I love you too. And, and this is amazing. Uh, I know. Okay. So let's get right into it. I mean, obviously, um, like I said, we met the very first day of freshman year. We were pretty much inseparable all through college. And then, you know, we had to go our separate ways because of our careers. I headed to Baltimore to work at Johns Hopkins and you headed to New York City to work at Morgan Stanley, which, you know, like many other people going to New York City was such a dream um, come true after college. So tell us, you know, let's just get right into it. Tell us about you know, that day, tell us what it was like for you. Um, you know, what your job was like, and I I forget what tower you, well, I know you were in the second tower, but, um, let's talk about what that experience was like for you. Um, okay. Well, I will just take you through sort of, um, my experience and, um, working in the world trade center first off was, was amazing. It was great. First job out of college to be working in two world trade, um, on the 69th floor was absolutely insane. Um, I worked for Morgan Stanley. 
it was, it was amazing because there was a whole World Trade Center mall and you entered in underground and you went through security and went to Morgan Stanley's lobby, which was on the 44th floor. So just the experience of entering into the building was crazy because you were so high up. Um, and then my, then you had to take another elevator up to the 69th floor where I worked in um, a regional office that oversaw about 70 retail branches of Morgan Stanley. So on 9-11, I don't know, probably some people may remember, it was a beautiful day. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like today, um, bright sun. It had rained the night before, so the Hudson was blue. It normally is not. Wow. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> and, a perspective um, that not many of us know, because I think we all remember exactly where we were and what the day was like. But it, And so I think many people remember how gorgeous it was, but yeah. not gorgeous from the 69th floor of the World Trade Center, where you're looking down at the Hudson and it's blue. Yeah, totally. And our view was of the Statue of Liberty, the Hudson and Battery Park City. So it was incredible to be there. It was a it was a gift. Um, So that day, um, basically, we were all at work. We were all early birds. And as everyone knows, the um, plane hit Tower One at 846 a.m. So we had all been in the office. I had a small group of like six or seven of us. That was my team. And we had all been in the office for an hour. So, you know, the plane hit the tower one and we all thought we heard it. We heard like a boom and all of our phones blinked um, and made a noise. And we thought, oh, my God, what what is that? And then we saw um, the wind up up where we were on the 69th floor would swirl. Like if there ever was a leaf that got caught and brought up, it would swirl in circles. It was just very gusty and whirly. And we started seeing papers like eight and a half by 11 on fire and smoking flying through the air, like in the, in like wind tunnels. So we thought, you know what, maybe some accident has happened. Maybe it was a commuter helicopter. We used to see helicopters fly by very close. Actually, it felt thought maybe it was just an accident. Um, We had a head of security um, and he always, we did drills every month. And he basically explained to us, if you're ever in this building and you feel like there's a problem and you feel like anything's wrong ever, don't question yourself, get your, get yourself, get your team, get your teammates and get out and take the stairs. And so when we saw that we did, yeah. And um, really, at the end of the day, that's what saved my life um, was that man. And so I just I, I, I'm like, I've heard this story from you so many times. And I'm listening to it again. And I still have like ch- chills every time. Um, but I do want to just stop and and touch on that fact that, you know, this man did save your life because he told you that. And because he told you that you had that intuition and that thought in your head that like, don't question it just go. And you were young. You were young at the time. You're in your early twenties. So, you know, sometimes you just don't always, you're like, oh, everything's fine. And you dismiss things very easily. So I think I just want to highlight the point that you did listen to that intuition, even though someone had told you that it was in the back of your head and you grabbed your shit, you grabbed your purse, you grabbed your friends or your teams and you headed towards the stairs. So, okay. Right. And so, and my boss, who was like my like big boss at the time, he was on the phone and, and I went in his office and I said, we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, okay, 
I agree. Um, I'm right behind you. Go, go with the girls. Um, I'm right behind you. And that was the last I saw him that day. So it was like, you know, in hindsight, totally insane. So basically we get into the stairwell and we're joined by, I don't know, maybe I would guess maybe a hundred other people at the time, just, you could hear all the way up that people were starting to come down and had the same feeling that we did. Um, our head of, on a side note, our head of security, his name is John, um, or was John. Um, I can't remember his last name at the moment. It's escaping me. The discovery are actually the learning channel actually made a show about him called the man who predicted nine 11. Wow. So he had a, a crazy past and just really drilled into us to, to get out of the building. And um, anyway, so as we headed down and everyone was just, you know, c- going round and round down the stairs, um, calm, um, all of a sudden at 9.03 is when the plane hit our, our building. And basically we all were just thrown kind of down. Um, the whole building went back and forth. I mean, if I had to guess, it was a six foot sway. This, I mean, and we're in a huge tower. So at that point, you know, your adrenaline just starts pumping because we thought, you know what, this is not an accident. Yeah, this is I don't know if we were cognizant to think the words terrorist attack at that moment. It's not that things had happened in the Trade Center before, but being young, you know, you feel like you're totally immune to everything. So we just knew it wasn't an accident. And we thought, I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm, I might die in this building like this, like this, I may not make it out of here. We didn't know at the time if the plane had hit above us or below us. Exactly. No idea. Oh my God. Right. So it was a very real moment. And people, I remember, I'll never forget this. A man like lurched, I was holding hands with a coworker at that time. And a man lurched in front of us and like broke our hands that we were being held. I remember thinking, what an asshole. (laughs) Even in that time, like seriously, guy, like seriously. So, you know. And I remember when you, when you've told me this story before, I remember you explaining that you thought you were on like, I don't even know, like the 30 something floor or something like that. Like I don't, you didn't even know what floor you were on. I I think because you were going down slowly at first. And then you had described to me in the past that when, when you felt the plane hit the building, like you said, you didn't know if it was above or below the whole, the stairwell felt like it was a rubber band, right? That sway that like, you just sort of felt like, like the whole stairwell moved, started to feel like a rubber band. And then everybody sort of all of a sudden, like you said, that guy lurched and everyone started to kind of panic and pick up the pace and and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we just, at that point, there was even a point where Port Authority, um, since they knew they could see what had happened on Tower One, was making an announcement for us to not leave our building before oh the God. before the plane hit there was announcements going through the PA saying go back to your office um and so we just didn't listen to that clearly with the mindset of just to get out and there are people who stopped on 44 and then had to figure out how to get out further as this whole thing unfolded but we kept going um and and basically flight by flight by flight every flight, it was like, okay, I, th- I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to make it. And, you know, it was just 
it, I was just scared to death, just absolutely scared to death. But thinking like, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to make it out of this building. We're going to make it. Let's just keep going. Stay calm. And we did. And so finally, finally. 69 fights. You did 69, 69 flights. fights. I mean, Wasn't one fight breath, at a time. Nothing. It was yeah. like, it was like <laughs> pure adrenaline. Like every cell in my body was like on fire. You were in survival um, mode. Sur- yeah. Pure survival mode. Terrified, not knowing what you were going to face at every floor, but yet just pure survival mode. You just kept going. Exactly. Exactly. So, so tell we us got, what it was like when you literally walked out of that building. So we exited in some odd place um, inside the World Trade Center Mall. And um, we we were met with a barrage of police standing every 20 feet yelling at us to run, not walk and turn your cell phones off and get out of the building, like yelling in our faces. So we were like, Oh my God. So we just did what they said and we ran and we just ran out of the building. Um, when we finally got to outside into the daylight, uh, we noticed a few of our Morgan Stanley people kind of just standing around. So we didn't know until later that they had witnessed some people jumping at that point out of the building from desperation of, of the fire going on inside. So we didn't know that. Um, but we just grabbed a few of them and said, let's go, come on, let's go. Let's head uptown. We were with, um, one of my older associates was a man who just sort of was like, let's go uptown right now. Let's just, let's not, let's just go. And meanwhile, it was like, a it was like a Bruce Willis movie where there were police arriving and, and fire trucks. And, and so we basically gathered up the few people. We were with a small group and we started getting away from the building. Um, and as we're walking away, there is just fire truck after fire truck, after police car, after black, black, like, you know, those black unmarked cars that are police cars. Yes. Screaming down, all down there, going, going to it. So just, just, piling in like everybody just go like just it was insane yeah so as you're running running away from the disaster you have all these first responders just going to it not yeah and it was so we we finally got a few like a block away and we're able to turn around and we saw the gaping holes in the building and the fire and um you know it was just absolutely like something you just can't believe is real. And, yeah. um, you know, we knew nothing. Our, our families knew nothing. Like, Oh, and- believe me. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, so just, you know, to give my perspective of that day that, cause it involves you. Um, I was home. I was a sales rep at the time. So I was on my computer and I was just like doing some reports in the morning before heading out to work. And I always had the Today Show on in the background. I was like in an apartment by myself um, in Bryn Mawr, you know, so I'm not in right. New York City. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is just for the audience sake, like, you know, we're best friends. We talk every day. Still, um, you're very much in my life. And um, I see it on the news that the plane hits the first tower and I didn't know exactly what tower you were in. All I knew is that you worked at Morgan Stanley in the world trade center and on a high floor at the time. I didn't even know what floor specifically you worked on. I just knew you were high up from our conversations and 
I just remembered literally, I mean, not to sound dramatic, but this is exactly what happened. I dropped to my knees in front of the TV and just started crying hysterically and praying to God that you were not in that tower because it was just, it was just what it's something took over my body. I dropped to my, like you see that on TV and like, that's literally what happened. And I was just crying and crying and I was trying to call you and there was no, no answer. And I was calling your mom. And uh, I, I remember talking to your mom and saying, have you heard from her? And she hadn't heard from you. And it was all day. All day. I don't even know what time late in the evening that we eventually heard that you were okay. But that was one of the, I mean, I can say that was one of the worst days of my life and I wasn't even there. Um, oh my God. You know, because I was so just absolutely terrified that I had lost you. Um, so that was horrible. So I, I get it that, I mean, I, you know, I, I truly felt for all of those other people that had someone in those buildings and didn't know what was happening. And some, some people didn't get good news, you know, a lot of people, thousands of people got horrible, horrible news. So, um, I certainly consider myself one of the lucky ones as, um, as I know you do as well, but okay. So you turned around, you looked at the building. It was like a movie. It's like not even reality. You're literally standing there with a group of people. And the streets are, the streets are packed, packed. Packed What's going through your head at that point? Like, like, do you even remember? I just, I I honestly just remember looking up and thinking, oh my God, like who did this? Yeah. Oh my God. Like, I just, I remember feeling so heartbroken, you know, like I just couldn't believe it. And then, um, literally like 10 minutes later, my building came down. And we watched it. Oh, we watched okay. it come down. When you see the footage of the antenna coming down, yeah, that's what I saw. And, and how uh, far away f- were you when that happened? I don't exactly know, but we were far enough away that we didn't have to run okay. from the debris. We were far enough that I, I wasn't one of the people who was absolutely covered in, in dust. I, I, I did not get injured that day, you know, seemingly from, from any like debris. Right. We got very, very lucky. Um, but you did, I mean, you were, you did have some dust and stuff on you, right? Oh yeah. Well, the building itself, I mean, when, when the plane hit our building and what went on in that stairwell, I felt like it, was a little, it was a little smoky, but I, it may have been, it may have been just from the building going through that kind of trauma that just what gets kicked up. Um, so what we inhaled, what I have no idea, you know, I really don't know, but I, I, I was lucky enough not to get actually injured by any like falling debris or God forbid be in the, I was not in the building when it fell. So we proceeded in total shock, I'm calling and calling and calling, trying to get through to anybody. I finally got through to my ex-husband's business and they answered. And I said, it's, it's, um, it's Tracy. Um, can I talk to Matt? And um, they're like, he's not here. He went home. I'm like, well, okay. Um, you have to, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through again. So you need to call him and tell him like at that point I was like, bah! yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You just have of to tell course. him I called because the phone lines were all busy all day. Yeah. So 
I think eventually she called him and said, Tracy made it out of the building and then trickled down the line. Eventually it got, everybody was told, but I I don't even know exactly what time that was because after that, everything's the time starts to get a little bit blurry. Like, I don't know what time I got home. Right. We ended up walking and walking and walking and walking. I remember exactly the outfit I was wearing. I was wearing black heels, a black skirt and a little like mock turtle, like, like, like like (laughs) banana Republic sweater. And, um, Oh my God. You remember it all so clearly, right? We walked and walked. And finally, after a couple hours got to, I don't know, the midtown, uh, ferry. And waited like an hour or so and got ferried to Hoboken. In the meantime, I had no idea what happened to my boss. I had an older coworker who was like my mom at work who was set, also said, I'm right behind you. I, don't, I didn't know what happened to her. I didn't know what happened to anybody, you know, yeah. besides who I was with. And it was just a terrible, terrible day. Um so then you, so when you get on the ferry, because obviously I, there was only so many things open, like I think subways, everything was shut down. So I think the ferries were the only things running to kind of get people off the island. Yeah. Um, you end up in Hoboken. Um, I'm sure the ferry was packed with people trying to, trying to escape. Yeah. At, I don't remember the ferry ride at all. At all. Okay. At all. What happened um, when you got off the ferry? So I got off on the ferry. There was police everywhere. There was a triage unit they had set up with a tent, like right kind of where the ferry had exited and they were yelling anyone from the world trade center this way, come this way. They were trying to make a list of people. I gave them my name and then they said, okay, and we're going to hose you down. So I'm thinking, oh my God. Okay. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to argue with these policemen. And so I was like, can you hold my purse? They're like, no. So literally they just took everyone from the world trade center and hosed us down with what we thought was water. I don't know to this day if it was water or not, but it it did not smell like anything. And they soaked us head to toe. I mean, I'm I'm laughing because it's, that's just ridiculous. Um, You just don't, you know, it's just, you just don't normally get soaked by a fire hose, you know, ever. So I mean, it's like they literally fire hose, like a crowd of people off. You're not even questioning it because God only knows what the hell's happening. Nobody said a word. Everyone was like, okay. I mean, you just survived this unbelievable, like the most crazy, like it's uh, unspeakable. And then you get fire hosed at the end of it. And you're just like, okay. And then you don't even know how you're getting home from there. Right. So then, then I waited soaking wet (laughs) in a parking lot, right? holding your purse. (laughs) Exactly. And in in Hoboken. So then I, um, they, they started running the trains home. So I eventually got on my train and took my train home and I got off at my exit and I, at my stop and I walked home. And by then, um, Matt was there. He was like green, yeah. Um, and he, cause of course he, like the rest of the world had been watching the news. We had no idea the, what Scam. had gone on in, 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 in Washington. Yeah. We didn't know about Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. We knew nothing. Um, so coming home, a friend, Stacy, Stacy, um, Resnick at the time, um, couldn't get any further than my stop. So she, she worked in New York in Midtown and ma- managed to get out. And so she came over cause she had nowhere to go. And and we just came home and we we just sat and watched the news and were just completely just broken by what had happened. And um, by like six o'clock that night, 
I, my boss called me because he knew, he knew that I was ahead and that we, our plan was just to get out. And so yeah. he, he, and then he gave me the rundown of, if, if everybody had made it and who he had talked to and who he hadn't talked to yet. And basically said, meet me in, um, short Hills tomorrow. And we'll like, that was one of our branches Yeah, and we'll, we'll just start again. Like, like, we'll just, just meet me there and just we'll figure it out because we had nothing, you know, right. we had nothing. And so, and, so you literally went to work the next day. Yeah, got up, went to work the next day, totally shell shocked. Like, had like my BlackBerry or my phone, whatever my phone was at the time, and that was it. And um, sort of let everything was just sinking in about how bad this attack was on the country, and it wasn't just us and how just absolutely despicable it was and how lucky I was yet how guilty I started to feel. It was just a really crazy time that ensued after that. Yeah. And who from your office did not survive? Well, Morgan Stanley as a whole was very, very lucky. Um, There was just a couple people um, who had worked on the 73rd floor who didn't leave right away. It was a broker. And I think a manager and also the, our head of security died that day. He did not leave the building. He, he, he could have over and over and over again, but he wouldn't leave until every, he got everybody out. Rick Riscola, so not John. His name is Rick Riscola, by the way, if anybody wants to watch that show about him. But um, right. so the, yeah. so the, the security head of security who preached on and on to everyone, if something ever doesn't feel right, just head out. He yeah. was the one who stayed behind. Mm-hmm. And lost his life, which is devastating. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a what a hero! Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, how has that experience affected your perspective and mindset over the over the course of your life? Because you went through that, you know, at a young age, you were in your early twenties. So, how how do you think it is it has changed your perspective? Well, you know, it's a hard question, but I think it has showed me that I can be resilient. You know, I feel like every day we went, first of all, it gives you perspective that don't take your life for granted. Like it could be taken away in a second by something totally insane. (laughs) And like that you could never even dream about. Like all the things that we worry about in our lives, which I know as moms, we worry about so much now, but that does us no good because it could be something that we can't even fathom, doesn't even, you know, hit our brains because it's something so unimaginable. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Right. So, you know, not to take anything for granted. And then we went back to New York six months later, we were in New Jersey at a different branch. We set up shop and we went back to New York six months later and it was really hard. It was hard to ride the subway. It was hard to be in the city. I would catch myself looking at a trash can and just waiting for it to explode in the subway. So I really had to, mentally stay calm and trust myself that I was going to be fine and that I needed to get a grip and, and just be, and, you know, stay strong and, and not, not let this, not let these terrorists who didn't kill me that day do that to me. Yeah. Take you down in a different way. Yeah. And let me mentally go down because of my experience. Like I just, you know, you learn to be strong in different ways when you are just presented with something that's very, very, very scary and, you know, could happen again. Yeah. So it took a while to let that fall out 
melt away and it never does quite go away, but it does obviously over, over time, get better that when they say time heals everything, it's really true. Like, Mm -hmm. like it's amazing what your mind does over time. Absolutely. So you survive the 9-11 attacks. You go back into the city. Um, eventually, you move back to the main line of Pennsylvania, where you're from and where we both live now, which is so wonderful. Um, and then you, you know, are really hit with another attack. And I know in the, it's really, it's, it's so recent, but, you know, you were diagnosed with breast cancer in like, you know, early summer of 2020, which as if 2020 wasn't bad enough um, for, for everybody, you know, you get hit with this diagnosis and you kick its ass every which way, but loose. And we're here talking today because you are a survivor and, um, and have been through it and are cancer free as we speak today. And it hasn't even been a year. So, um, it's it's just absolutely amazing. But what do you think? I mean, I, I see you from an outsider perspective. Like I said, we talk every day and I, I hear you talk about everything. And I'm always just, again, in awe of your strength and resilience. What do you think helped you through this horrific diagnosis? Like, you know, I obviously oh. I know there were times that you broke down and, and you're, but what do you think? helped you get through this? Well, just to give you a little bit of, uh, I'm not you, you know, but just to fill the, <laughs> fill in the blanks. Um, I was, I had never felt better when I got my diagnosis. Um, I was in great shape. Um, it was last July and it was out of the blue. There's, I have no family history of cancer and um, I don't have any of those uh, genetic mutations. Um, it was just totally out of the blue. So, yeah, I think I, I actually, I think that's such a great point to note that, to tell people that like you truly were in the best shape of your life. Like you had t- said that to me, like, I, I can't even believe this. You felt so good. I mean, over COVID you were r- working out, you were eating right. Um, you just felt so great. And, and then bam, got, got hit with this. Yeah. So, so it was a total, like just, kick in the stomach. And I just, I, I, I went from, um, finding a lump to, um, getting a mammogram to literally in the mammogram, them sending me to the breast surgeon in Bryn Mawr being like, you have cancer. I went to a mammogram and they're like, you have cancer. Right. There was no question in their mind. So in one, literally like in two days, I had a cancer diagnosis or from at least from a radiologist and a person who read my, um, uh, my ultrasound, so, you know, f- fast forward, they say to me, um, you're going to have to go through chemo. You're going to most likely have to remove your left breast, if not your right as well. Um, you can't keep your nipples um, and yeah. you might have to go through radiation and you're going to be on drugs for and, and infusions of, you know, in, through an IV and you're going to probably have to be on a drug for 10 years. So when I like it was from zero to 100 like I went from being amazing and like enjoying the fact that I finally got back in shape to being like, okay, now you have cancer and now you might die. And if we can't get this and this is how we're going to treat it. And it's a bear and it is a bear. Chemo is a very scary word. It's a very scary thing. Um, so basically um, I just, once the initial shock was 
over that this was my new reality, that this is happening. And the betrayal I felt of my own body, yeah. you know, like I couldn't word. even believe that this was happening because, you know, not only is your mind strong, your body strong. So to have this happen, I was just so pissed and I was so felt so betrayed, but I, I literally shook it off in a couple of weeks. I was like, I am not going to, I'm just, I'm very much like you give me a project. I want to know the eight steps to get it done. And I'm going to start on step one. I'm going to, I'm going to work through it. So I basically handled the, my cancer diagnosis the same way where it was like, okay, you have to go through chemo. You don't want to lose your hair. You're going to have to fight, to keep your hair and use your cold cap. And it's going to be torturous, but it's going to work. Okay. So now we're going to get through chemo and now you're going to heal from chemo. And then you're going to have a double mastectomy and we're going to try to reconstruct you. And then you're going to heal from that. And then you're going to try to walk on your treadmills if you're not in too much pain. And then you're going to, I mean, it was just, it was just um, a process where we laid out the steps, but I only looked at the ones that I had at hand at each, at each time. And I thought that helped me stay focused. I never thought that I was not going to be cured in quotes of this. It never came into question. I just believed that I was going to follow the steps at hand and take care of myself the best I could and and get through it. I never had an option to like sit and cry about it. I really didn't sit and cry about it because I just thought, screw this. I'm just going to, I'm going to do it and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get through it. And, and, and you did. And, you know, we haven't mentioned that you're a mom of a wife and a mom of two. Um, Right. And (laughs) And you're, you have a high schooler and a working mom. I mean, we haven't even mentioned that, like on top of everything else that, you know, you have a very full and busy life. And I know from my perspective, from the day you found out, yes, of course you were upset and there were tears, but there was never I can't believe this. Why me? How could this happen to me? Like you just handled it. You took it and you handled it and you said, okay, this is what it is. These are the next steps. This is what I have to do. And while you obviously face the reality of it and you dealt with the emotions that come along with that, from my perspective, your mindset the entire time was always one of optimism. And I got this. And I'm going to handle it. And, you know, we, I remember we talked about it in the very beginning, like you never really took on the diagnosis as your own. Like we even spoke about like, I don't have cancer. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And we talked about using those words and and how powerful words are. And I think that not only did we have that conversation about not, but I think that helps because you never really did take it on. You didn't own it. Like, of course you owned it in the sense of, your power and your and you connected with other people that have gone through this. Yes, and which you, was very helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. And you have this whole new community of survivors that you're a part of and and they helped you and you're going to help them. Right. And just like you're helping people right now, but it never became like something that you took on as a part of you that was going to stay with you. It was like right. it's just a part of your life that you are going through. You went through it. And here you are today, which people won't see you, but they'll see in your picture. You have beautiful hair. You're gorgeous. <laughs> like, I mean, never in a million years would anyone ever think that what the the horrific things that you've been through in the last year, 
you know, between all of the chemo and the procedures and, and a huge surgery and everything that goes along with it. No one would ever know because you just, you look amazing. Just amazing. Thank you. The outside is reflecting the inside. (sighs) I think, I think, um, you know, everyone's so different and everybody's diagnosis is so different and how, how their body responds to treatment is so different, but you know, it was really hard and it was, it was pretty awful at times, but I just, um, you know, I just kept telling myself, like, I just have to trust myself and I have to trust my body and I have to believe this worked. Um, one anecdotal thing I will tell you, and you, I think I did tell you this before and I, and everyone, there's a lot, there's a big push for meditation and breathing and really getting your thoughts together and being grateful and all that. And I, I believe in all that. I'll practice it super well. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I've learned a lot of it from you. Right. Um, and it really does help when you breathe in and you're, you breathe air into the back of your lungs. Things are different when you exhale. It's, it's real. Um, but I remember, you know, working on the positive mindset because so many survivors I talked to said, you have to be positive. You have to, you have to, you really have to believe in yourself and that in this treatment. And so I remember getting my first chemo um, and they let Sean, my husband in um, because he was doing the cold cap with me, which needed to be done like every 20 minutes for, I don't know, nine hours or something each time. And I remember when they started the first chemotherapy drug, I remember feeling my tumor like ping. I like felt a ping of pain. And I remember thinking, oh my God, the chemo is going right to get it. Like it's going to get it. The, 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 the tumor just said, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, like this is over for me. And like yes. from, from that first chemo treatment, I just truly believed it was going to work. I trusted it was going to work. I kept my head in the game that all the horrible stuff that I had to go through was to the, to, to that end. And so far, knock on like every bit of wood, it's, it's, it's worked. Yeah. Well, you vision and, and you felt that tinge that first day and you visualized that tumor getting attacked by the chemo. And that is so powerful. It is so hard to explain until you feel it, until you know it. But that visualization, that image that you create in your mind is real. And, and, and you did it. And I remember, I remember sitting on your couch after your first chemo with that big ass cold cap on and you were, you know, being tortured and your head was freezing. And you said, I felt the chemo today attack, attack the tumor. I I know it's going to work. You said it that day. And then before your surgery, after your, um, you know, what, six rounds of chemo, right? Mm -hmm. Six. Yes. After your six treatments of chemo before your surgery, there was no tumor. Nope. It was gone. It was gone. And so it, that everything that you believed and visualized came to fruition. Yeah, it did. And, um, I, I, you know, do do I equate it to my visualization? I don't know, but I really, I believe that it helps. And I believe that if you're going through a situation, especially with pain and you can visualize your cells re re like, you know, you can just you visualize yourself getting better, whatever that looks like in your own brain. Right. There, I, I swear it has a hand in recovery. I really do. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, Tracy. I cannot even thank you enough for sharing all of your experiences with us today because, you know, I have been fortunate enough to hear them firsthand and, and you know, be uh, friends with you for all of this time. And I just, I'm so thrilled that everyone else gets to hear how just freaking amazing you are. Oh, um through it all, through everything. And um, you are certainly a very special person. You are a light in this world, um, a light in my life for sure. And I think so many people are going to learn so much from hearing your story today and hearing your story of survival and how much of a badass Barbara warrior you are. So thank you for your authenticity and for being here and sharing with us today. Thank you, Chris. I'm so happy to be here with you and I love you too. And you, on a side note, have been my rock. So, you know, there's no words. For, happy to be, for baby. Happy to me. be. It's a and gift. I'm also, I'm also happy. Anybody who um, wanted to reach out to me who um, is going through any kind of similar diagnosis that I could shed any light in any aspect, I would be happy to, you know, speak with anyone um, because part of, I think, my recovery process was talking to survivors. So I would love to be able to help someone who was if, if anybody was going through the same kind of thing. Absolutely. So um, what what's your Instagram handle that people can find you, where people can find you? Um, I think I am Tracy W. Coyle. Okay, great. Tracy W. Coyle. And we'll link that in the show notes. And she's I, also on Facebook as Tracy I Coyle. I am, yes. Oh, awesome. Okay, well, Tracy, we will link that in the show notes. Guys, we um, would love to hear what you think of today's show. So please feel free to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, rate and review this episode, drop us a comment on Instagram. Um, I'm at Suburban Warrior. Tracy is Tracy W. Coyle. And thank you so much for listening. We will see you again next week with another amazing Suburban Warrior story. See you guys. <laughs>